instead of worrying about negative things happening, quote unquote negative things, it's more like, oh, well, that experience that I could have perceived as negative is probably going to teach me something cool. So if I'm just chill about it and stay with it, you know, I get that. As we we're talking about earlier, if I feel it entirely and go through that experience, there's going to be some wisdom there. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the One Mind Meditation Podcast. My name is Morgan Dix, and this is a show about meditation, mindfulness, and health. And today, I'm delighted to share with you my interview with Jonathan Mozentor. I've known Jonathan for many years. We are in a men's group together focused mostly on spiritual practice. And today, we have a fascinating discussion about Jonathan's introduction to meditation and really how it all started. When he started meditating, he had a bad case of ADD, attention deficit disorder. And meditation made a huge difference for him. It actually uh, helped him go off the medicine he was on. And I, I, I don't know if cured is the right word, but it, it basically transformed him. And so we explore that today, his whole path in relationship to meditation and ADD and how he learned how to cultivate his capacity for focus and attention and ultimately spiritual transformation through meditation. So I think you're going to love that. It was a beautiful interview. I loved doing it. Jonathan's a good friend of mine, so I knew we were going to have a good time, but I think you're going to really, really value what Jonathan has to say. He has a lot of beautiful things to say about compassion and self-acceptance too. So please listen to the whole thing. It's all beautiful. And all right, let's jump into this interview with Jonathan Mozenter. All right, Jonathan, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on here. Thanks, Morgan. It's great to be on it. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. So everybody, I've known Jonathan for many years. Originally, I was in a spiritual community, and I think I met Jonathan because we were in like sort of overlapping contexts, and he was dabbling and checking out different things. And But then when, when my spiritual community collapsed, we ended up being part of a men's group together, which eventually Jonathan sort of became the leader of. It, it, it's sort of a men's outing group, but it's really actually much more than that. And we do meet once a month, and the, the focus of our conversation is usually, in one form or another, spiritual practice, because that's really the thing that bonds this group together, wouldn't you say, Jonathan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of your past guests, I believe Kenzo started yes. it and Ted Saad took it up after that. Yeah, your 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 recollection is perfect. We met through, I think that for me, it was the Integral Theory meetup. Yes. Then in, my, in your community, the Enlightened Next One, we're together and I was honored to join that and carried it forward. You really kind of met me at a, a, a pivotal period of change, which I'm sure we'll explore in this, this call. It's yeah. been uh, very fruitful to have that community, I'm very grateful for meeting you and the other people in our community. Likewise. And, and, and Jonathan and I have become close friends just through that process of being in that group together. And then we've now gone on several retreats together. We do uh, these plant medicine retreats, and we can talk about that a little bit more later in the show. But that 
<laughs> that has really brought us much closer because th- those are real sort of journeys and ad- spiritual adventures. And, you know, we unpack a lot together afterwards. So, but Jonathan suggested that we do this podcast and he had this really interesting idea that I thought you all would be interested in, which really had to do with, at least to start our conversation, the relationship between meditation and ADD, like one's ability to focus. Basically, Jonathan told me that was one of the main catalysts for getting him onto the path. So that's where we're going to start. I thought, Jonathan, how would you feel if we just kind of back up and you just start like, because now you're a real committed and devoted meditation practitioner. How did that all start? Where did you begin? And and can you just share your story a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm 47 now. And as I was approaching the age of 40, I kind of like, you know, like a lot of most people got, got kind of reflective. And basically, my assessment was, you know, my first 40 years were, were fun. I had a good time. But I, there was something missing. I wasn't I doesn't feel like I was hitting that top, top gear. Mm. And I noticed, you know, I was very aware. I'm a, I'd always been into personal development. My career is in organizational development and change. And I have some background in psychology. So I've always been interested in that stuff and working it. But I noticed there were some persistent problems that were getting in my way. Yeah. And I just was just like, listen, if I don't like make those things my highest priority, I'm never going to get past these. Mm. And I was a real shift. I just said, boom, it is an internal shift. And I was like, I am, I'm going to get past these no matter what. <laughs> really, it was wow. like a, a willful thing. I was like, whatever it takes, there was a real internal shift. And honestly, you know, because a lot of changes I've been going through are difficult. And I don't know if I wouldn't be able to get, get as far as I've gotten if I didn't have that very inside, like deep, deep commitment to it. Yeah. Um, and so one of the problems, as you mentioned, was just distracted. I was like, not present all the time and i was jonathan taking on too many things go ahead one question one question cool all right so before you take us into this was there something like because that sounded like when you just described that shift sounded really powerful was there an event or was that just part of your reflective process or or did something happen that made you feel like i got i gotta make this change yeah it wasn't really an event i was just like I don't know, like just like Confluence a deep feeling. Things. It was like a feeling like, you know, um, I'm here to do something important and I, and what I'm doing is, you know, listen, I was, I wasn't, I was, my life was pretty good. I had a lot of friends, I had a great job, you know, I think things were, things were, were good, but just like a deep feeling of something missing. It's just that, yeah. you know, coming to midlife thing, you know, like, uh, you know, like looking at things, uh, so yeah, it wasn't really an event. It was more just, well, I guess the event was turning 40 maybe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> as I was really, it, the shift happened a bit before that, but like as I was approaching that, that's where the, the deep reflection was. So if you want to point it on, I guess it's the age and cool. the reflection. All right, thanks. Thanks for- Yeah, no problem. Okay, all right. Sorry, I interrupted you. You were, you were talking about, you were starting to kind of- oh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, basically like persistent problems, I think I was saying was just- Things associated with ADD, like not being like fully present, taking on way too much, uh, like very classic ADD problems. And so the shifts kind of happen like this. It kind of like 
one shift was I'm mean, very passionate about music, and I decided to listen to less music and more into audiobooks. And that kind of actually shifted me. I started listening to more like personal growth stuff, and that's what got me into integral theory. And integral theory kind of was one of the first things that this is the Ken Wilber stuff uh, introduced me to like meditation was one thing they started talking about. I never really, you know, I had heard of meditation, but honestly, I didn't know anything about it, like really nothing. And that that was one of my first introductions. Mm. And that led me into the integral theory meetup group where I met, uh, you know, became friends with other people in our community, including your former guest uh, who led it, uh, Ted Sod, And he, he was the one who was doing this meditation with Dan Brown and I was, you know, we became good friends and he was telling, you know, he suggested it might be good. I told him about my, my issues and what I was struggling with. And he said, yeah, I think this might be a good program with you. So even before I did that, I realized that I made some other changes. I completely changed my diet. Mm. I went from kind of more of a traditional American sad diet to like a, more of like a paleo not a strict paleo, but like that, that helped a lot. It got changed my energy. Yes. That, so I really became food was like the big first big shift. The second big shift was a, an even deeper to daily exercise. I really just said, I'm going to like exercise every day. <laughs> um, and nice. so that was a huge shift. And both of those helped my ADD for sure. That was like a start. Um, and at the time I started, I was taking some medication that I later got off of. But then what, what I did the meditation. What was may, that? May, may I ask what the medication was? It was on Focalin. Focalin. Like, uh, yeah, it was basically like uh, the most potent part of Ritalin, I guess. Wow. Was, okay. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I found I tried several ones, and that was the one that worked best for me. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so that took me to the meditation with Dan Brown's Pointing Out the Way. Uh, and the first retreat was uh, led by Dan and his now protege, John Churchill, who is also my meditation coach. Uh, within the Dan Brown system, you take these retreats, but you also work with a coach one-on-one. And that retreat was like a complete and total game changer, like anything beyond I had expected. I was mm. just like looking to mm. get some tips on getting my mind sort of like more concentrated and it's like an eight day retreat. They have, you know, like a little half or a little more half is focused on concentration in a real deep way. But then they have a lot of these insight practices and Dan and John are both deeply into psychology and Dan's got written like, I don't know, many, many books, including stuff with like Ken Wilber on psychology. And he's like, he's a very, very brilliant man. And he's a professor at Harvard too, right? Uh, like an adjunct professor. He does teach classes at Harvard. That's correct. Like he does like performance and like legal performance and medical. And I think he throws in some of his meditation stuff. Yeah. He's got many hats. He's a professional psychologist. He's a world renowned, uh, meditation teacher. He's like, you know, I think considered one an expert on attachment. And he like also knows hypnosis and he goes to like the Hague and he does like defense. He's multi-talented, uh, man. And he, um, Defense Basically, meaning like, oh, like he's he would like go, a forensic yeah, like, psychologist or something. Yeah, something like that. Exactly. Like basically, some like people who like abuse cases are on like a, a national level. I mean, I think he does it. Not it's not just national. I think he'll do stuff in the states too. But uh, yeah, like they'll call him in like to to like help victims. I guess like yeah, as expert you're witness type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so. 
basically it was really an exploration into mind and it was really into how consciousness works. And I had this whole background. Uh, my parents are actually social workers. Uh, so I kind of grew up in an environment where psychology was discussed often. And I kind of almost think about psychology as my like original mental model. So this kind of blew it open. It was like psychology, pl like plus, 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 plus. So it was <laughs> yeah. like the, the Tibetans have figured it out way more than like what I learned in Western. And it was very rational. And it has you like, I guess the difference is, is, is like, instead of just focusing on like the content of our mind, it actually focuses on the mind, like how it actually works and like ask questions like, what is this thing? <laughs> like really deep questions. And like, I guess I call them like the insight practices or Vipassana. And it, that was like blew my mind. So and they kind of mm -hmm. explained how these practices work to get the mind quiet and eventually completely quiet after a lot, a lot of work. Obviously, that's, that's not very difficult to do. But they showed the path, the whole path. And they do this whole thing, the whole path in the first class. I pack it in. So it's, it's a very dense class. I've taken it like three times. And every time I take it, I get something else out of it. But also like in the beginning because my concentration was so poor, I could, like, I understood the whole thing conceptually, but it was very difficult to do it because in order to do the high level insight practices, you have to hold them concentrated. So it would be years before I would really sort of get deeper into that. But that mm. was like that, that's what you want to know. It started me on my meditation. It was that, that whole sequence of events. And then from that day on, after that class, I probably meditated, you know, pretty close to 99% of the time, like once a day or something. Wow. It's considered, uh, yeah, for me, it's like, uh, it's a commitment. It's just like, as I kind of said, like I, uh, you know, earlier I was like deeply committed to be transmuting to my higher self and I knew this was key. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just, just stuck with it, even so, though it's been hard <laughs> at times, very hard at times. Yeah, I, I believe that. All right, so everyone, a couple pieces of context here. So Dan Brown teaches in a context of Tibetan Buddhism and it's Dzogchen. And if you'll remember one of our previous guests who Jonathan has mentioned now a couple of times was John Churchill and he about five or six episodes ago. And he, if you want to learn more about the path itself that Jonathan's talking about, I did a whole interview with John Churchill where he kind of in broad strokes, lays out the path itself. It, n nothing, obviously, even approaching the, the detail of, you know, going on a retreat or, but, you know, he just kind of gives a picture of what that path is. So if you want to learn more about that path itself, I encourage you to check out the interview with John because he's very clear and articulate in describing the whole thing. But, okay, so yeah, I just wanted to say that for our, everyone sure. listening, Jonathan. But that um, was a fantastic interview, and John's a fantastic teacher. But even a little bit more context, it is yeah. Dzogchen. It's also one thing they call Ma Mudra, and they both fall in this third turning of the the wheel. There's like three turnings in Tibetan Buddhism, and the third are in Buddhism, and then the third turning is called the Vajrayana school or the Tantric school or the Essence Nature. They're all kind of synonyms and. Uh, and anyways, that's the kind of context of uh, yes. where the teachings kind of come from. Cool. So, all right. So you've gotten this exposure and like you took that class three times and it, and it became a deep commitment. Can you talk a little bit about like then 
the impact on you? And in the beginning, like maybe just how did that affect your ADD? Like, did that start to change with meditation? Hey there. So are you interested in starting a meditation practice? Do you already have a meditation practice, but you feel like it's flagging? Let me introduce you to the Meditation for Life mini course, your guide to discovering the positivity, balance, and the ocean of calm that's already inside you. As you know, on this podcast, we interview people who have, in many respects, discovered that ocean of calm for themselves. And through our Meditation for Life mini course, we're really trying to provide you with the tools that are going to give you the ability to tap into that same positivity and balance and calm inside of yourself. Really, it's a way to discover a sustainable source of daily happiness. It's self-paced, and it's going to take you on a journey and give you some really essential tools. So we're talking a simple course here. It's like five in-depth lessons, five guided meditations, a couple beautiful infographics, a meditation challenge. But basically, if you can imagine what it would feel like to walk into work, for example, feeling light and free and ready for anything, if you can imagine being ready to manage family disputes with calm presence, or to stop beating yourself up and start caring more for the most important person in your life, you. So let's be clear up front. It doesn't take a lot of time, but if you invest a little every day, meditation can change your life. It's like learning any new skill. It gets a little easier each time. When you meditate every morning for 10 to 15 minutes, you'll notice things starting to change because every day you're doing the inner work, the hardest work first. You'll start your day generating focus, clearing your mind, and establishing a confident and grounded center. So remember, I love this quote, the great filmmaker David Lynch says, the thing about meditation is you become more and more you. So what are you waiting for? Join us. Check out the Meditation for Life mini course over at aboutmeditation.com. Cool. So, all right, so you've gotten this exposure and like you took that class three times and it, and it became a deep commitment. Can you talk a little bit about like then the impact on you and in the beginning, like maybe just how did that affect your ADD? Like, did that start to change with meditation? Yeah, why don't I talk a little bit about how it unfolded? Yeah. Um, I'd say, like, for me, concentration still is and, and certainly, you know, is the mo- probably the most difficult part of the path for me because it's, it's into a weakness. And when, um, but when you say concentration, can you just de- sure. define that for people? Yeah, so the concentration just means like staying like on a, like on an object like for like like following your breath and then your body like a basic concentration exercise or just looking yeah. at an object. It's I guess calm staying practice would be another way to frame it. Yes. Uh, you know, so, 
Ishamata, yeah, thank you. Yeah, exactly. And so it's that part probably is because of my background, uh, the karma, I guess, you know, karma I've come to learn just means like momentum or habit. And so the causes of my ADD, which maybe we can get into in a bit, which I kind of discovered through this process. But before I even get into that, I want to just talk about like, it was difficult in the beginning. I'm not going to lie. Like, I really didn't like it <laughs> when I first started out. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, I had a hard time staying. Like, I just was like, if I put the timer on next to me and I remember these days and I'd be sitting there meditating, I'd look over and I'd be like, what? Only a minute's passed. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it was difficult. And so, they slowly walk you into it and they say, you know, don't do more, you know, start slow if you have to. And, you know, it's very heady. Like I know in our meditation practice, we're talking about following the breath and, the, and then like listen to your body in between breaths. And like, I couldn't even feel my body at the time. I was so heady and like, they just had me like focus on the body for a while mm. so I could get sensations. So just kind of painting a picture of where I was. Uh, and so it was a, you know, it was a real will. I mentioned will in the beginning Really, I needed the will a lot. And I'd say it took me a good couple of years to really get the concentration up to a place where I could start holding these kind of insight practices for more depth where they could have more impact. Yeah. Uh, but along the way, I would say that, that, you know, I was getting benefits all along the way. I mean, I think what happens is you just get more separation between you and your thoughts so you're not really your thought you one of the things that kind of taught me was you know if i can view my thoughts then i'm not my thoughts i'm you know more of the witness or the deeper self and you know the thoughts are kind of just happening uh so it gave me some space on that i just slowly it's very like um it's not a kind of practice where it's like you do it and then boom the next day you're a million times better it's a very like slow but it's like you look back you know, I look back now, it's like night and day, but, you know, you know, you look over like a year or two and, but, you know, on a day-to-day thing, it's just like these very small baby steps and you need to be like really kind of persistent. Yeah. And then I guess like another. I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that who are listening yeah. to this, by the way. So, I mean, I just, it's cool. It's cool. You're unpacking it like this. Cause I think that's, to be honest, what, you, what you're describing, I think, is what puts a lot of people off meditation to begin with because mm-hmm. it's it's just so, you know, we all in our culture, as you know, it's like you bounce from one thing to the next and it is challenging to just to stay in, the, in exactly the way you're describing. So I just, especially when you don't see immediate rewards and, you you know, you have to just you have to just do your practice and and commit like that. I think it's a it's a great description of the challenge that you can encounter. I really I liked it. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I would just encourage everyone. It really is worth it. Uh, I mean, I think one thing I did learn as a kid, kind of you know, just having being informed with psychology, is that I realized that literally every second, everything is filtered through my consciousness. You know, so. Yeah. Of course, you know, it's worth improving the tool that you're literally spending 100% of your time in. Yeah. So uh, I saw it as like a quote unquote, like high leverage opportunity. If I fix this, a lot of other things are going to get a lot better. Yeah. And I would say that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, so you got to stick with it though. And the thing that like came another layer to this, like the first one was just getting a little bit of space for like this reactivity. This reactivity turns out to be 
the key or one of the biggest keys because um, really what I learned was how how consciousness actually works and what I've learned is that like when you stay with whatever actually is happening no matter how intense it is or whether it's good or bad and you just stay with it from beginning to end like that's actually like the most optimal and most healing uh, and like what the problem is that we get you know, we get to some uncomfortable feelings or, and like, that's one end of it. And we like push away. And the problem is when you don't totally absorb an experience, you suppress it and into your unconscious and it keeps popping up in some other ways. Uh, and that was part of like what ended up causing my ADD, I think, is there we have a lot of people's distractions that you, they go suppress stuff. And then the other extreme is that you have some really positive experiences and you keep trying to recreate them or keep right. grasping for them. And both of those things take you out of the moment. Uh, I think there's actually like studies that show like the common thing for like peak experiences, like whether, you know, you know, having a great conversation or at a concert is that you're just like super, super present, like uh, underlying all this, like whatever, because the moment is so great. You're just like, so present and what this meditation is showing is that you can actually have that kind of presence you know more of the time and then ultimately all the time if you went yeah. way down the path but uh it's so it's, it's really instructive about how mind actually works and so the next layer for me is actually like they call this like a like um sometimes someone's broken them down into stages so like you have like the first level is just like they call it like gross level where it's just like more like concrete behaviors and then the next level is kind of like subtle and like one of the benefits of the subtle layer is you can i started to get real intimate with what are these distracting thoughts like what is the content of them <laughs> um and that was a game changer like mm. being able to actually witness them and see the contents of them and then do explorations about like, well, where did that come from? You know, and why, why do I have this pat? What is Where did this patterning come from? Right. Um, and I guess this is like, uh, you know, what, what people would call like shadow or some people in our meditation can call them like clouds and, and they're the negative karma. And yeah, for me, like I was able to trace a lot of it back, you know, for most people, I think it's going to trace them back to like, habits that went way back to early childhood and uh for me like i had a period when i was younger uh where i was teased for emoting a lot crying and and then was because of that i like decided not i didn't really want to cry anymore in public because like that was going to get me ridiculed and it made me sort of dislike that part of myself and also suppressed that emotion and i overcompensated it by kind of trying to outthink things i think it's like a defensive uh yeah Right. mechanism and uh, that i ended up seeing that a lot of my thoughts were to manage the sensitivity it was like ways to think about something so that i didn't have to feel it <laughs> and that was like a lot of my content that was taking me out of the moment yeah and then i went on this journey to like how do you actually get rid of that <laughs> mm. and that's not easy let me tell you that's another you as difficult as the concentration was this is an equally difficult process but as i said i was completely committed it's like i'm i'm doing this and so 
I guess that there I've used lots of different techniques. So one technique, that, you know, like in terms of the meditation, in terms of doing that, which is actually looking at like what 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 is a thought? You know, where does yeah. it come from? Where does it go? And and I guess what you kind of doing these practices, you come up with these insights that you know it's like it's a construction. It's basically uh, it's not it doesn't self exist. You know, they probably heard the term like emptiness. Um, or, or, and basically what it's saying is like emptiness of intrinsic, you know, it doesn't have by itself. It's not anything. It's basically when I looked at the thoughts, it's basically my reactivity from the past, a pattern placed overlaid on whatever was happening, you know, quote unquote out there, whatever's happening to whatever yeah. my interpretations of the experience was. And so you start to see that. And so one, one huge tool is like, just seeing, being able to catch it and be like, oh, I know what that is, and I'm not going to listen to that. So yes, that would be yes. like a very beginning. That, that's actually a huge, I mean, that's a big, that's, that's a big leap. That's huge. That is huge. And and just to kind of, to frame all this in time, mm -hmm. you're kind of unpacking the inner journey here, but this stuff didn't happen like over the course of a couple of days. We're talking no. over the course of like a couple of years, right? Like yeah, many, developing yeah. traction in your ability to concentrate and the sort of developing skills in the shamatha practice of just calm, abiding, and staying and holding an object to then the next layer, which you're you've been describing now. If, if I'm if I'm representing it accurately, this next level of starting to kind of look under the hood, as it were, and just say, all right, well where is this reactivity coming from and looking at the the actual thoughts themselves and you know moving on to what you just said like developing a actual kind of different narrative in relationship to a pattern and shifting the pattern yeah exactly great question so yes i would say it was an unfolding and there were probably uh, you know, a good couple of years where m most of my focus were on uh, concentration. Now, I want yes. I want to say that some people get concentration much faster than I do. I was slow, so uh, you could take longer. Or, or I was probably I was probably slow on that end. But um, yeah, it took a couple of years to get it. Um, I want to say a couple more things about this also. Uh, yeah, and and also what, slow relative to who and what. You know, it's just like yeah, it's so. This is uh, I I also want to emphasize this just feels like it's so particular to every person. Yes. That, you know, it's like, okay, quote unquote, slow, but compared to other people that might have been like rapid, you know, it's just like, right. there's, it's whatever you're, really, it's whatever pace you need to go at is the right pace, because that's just what you need. I agree with that. Yeah, everyone's context is completely unique. The journeys, yes. there's some, some meta patterns that are useful to hear, but the right. actual journey is specific is completely unique. I agree with mm -hmm. that. So, um, so yeah, I say it probably took a couple of years before I was like seeing the thoughts a little bit more. Uh, it's it's not it's definitely not a black and white thing. It's more like a slow onset, and then there are degrees. It's not like all of a sudden I was catching it all the time. It doesn't happen like that at all. It's more like just like you slowly upping tick the percentage. Yeah. So there were there are two things I want to um, one one about like the content. I will say that I. As I kind of mentioned earlier, I was into personal development and psychology. I'd done a lot of work, you know, this kind of work in terms of the content of my issues beforehand. And that was definitely helpful to have that background. So I had some idea about what my shadow was just through other kinds of whatever it was therapy or other programs I'd done. Uh, the other thing is there's this thing I really want to emphasize. This is super important. But 
there's like what I would call this quality with a meditation that's called I call moment to moment metacognition, which I think is one of the most important. Like if we were going to break it down, like each quality into quote unquote like line, an area of development or line of development, that this is one of the most important ones. And what I mean by that specifically is like, what am I actually? conscious of it's like it's like i'm doing something but am i fully there with it with all my energy like and and being like completely present with with that like that's like a that's a key thing even to this day i feel like that's like the key thing is to like get that online a hundred percent of the time so it's like you're there's like what you're doing and then your awareness of what you're doing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and eventually you i guess you could collapse them they do the same thing all the time but that that's a long process that's a huge thing for me I think all meditators is this process of monitoring what you're doing so that when you're not staying or you're not doing whatever insight practice you're applying, that you are, um, you're aware of it and you can make that adjustment. I mean, right. that's, that's like, it's super enormous. And to like, actually, like, I remember that was a big shift when I was doing the meditation is to like make that a focus. Like I'm going to be aware of what I'm doing so I can, when I start, you know, my mind wanders and goes off to wherever you know, I'm like actually aware of it. And it's not like several seconds or minutes later. It's like, I can catch it and go, you know, and then go back to the breath. So I mean, I also think there's like a huge compassion piece. I mean, it's this whole piece around compassion and self-compassion is just enormous in this process. Cause it's what, so what? difficult. And, um, I was going to say, okay, yeah, just, go ahead. Um, uh, let me just, uh, yes. just say that it's like it's this piece of like because it's so easy to be like oh I didn't I not on my breath bad Jonathan or whatever and like yeah you know, and like have this critical thought like yeah and I'm so like have certainly have a perfectionist side of me and someone who's always trying to get it perfect but like that taught me to be like gentle and be like okay whatever you know <laughs> like it's like back to the breath back to the task you know it's like that there's a there's a an aspect of like self love yeah self compassion that's like essential you know yes, like yes. You know, i don't think you can do it without that if you're i mean i've kind of learned through some of these kind of plan experiences that every time like i criticize self-criticize myself it was like you know whapping myself in the back and i was creating some negative karma and that that just doesn't serve at all in the long no, term no so i'm sorry you were going to say something yeah no well one i just yes i agree i i relate to that very deeply i and i think probably most people listening can relate to that sort of self-critical judgmental voice inside when you're beginning your practice and you see, you know, the margin for quote unquote error is like almost like 99%, you know, right. in the beginning <laughs> that it's very easy to be hard on yourself and that then, and you get discouraged and then it becomes harder and you, you know, you can create other kind of like derailing kind of patterns there, but like, so yeah, I think just acceptance it is it just feels like such a fundamental part of this deeper layer of mindfulness that you're emphasizing or the sort of moment to moment metacognition when you're really kind of engaging in that and you find yourself whatever a million miles away. You know, that's not going to serve you, you know. Exactly. There, there's a very simple movement back to right now, back to your practice and just move it, you know, moving forward. That, you know, you. I think over time you realize, I just don't, I don't need that, you know, that, that critical judgmental voice, it actually doesn't serve anything, doesn't serve me. 
yeah, it doesn't serve me and doesn't serve this process of growth ultimately. Doesn't. No. no. I I wanted to ask you, Jonathan. Sure. So as this is going on, can you say a little bit about the ADD? Like when were you starting to notice differences? Like did, was this moment to moment metacognition a part of your ability to kind of as well as obviously the shamatha ongoing concentration practice, but have you know cuz I don't think of you as a distracted dude. Like when we're together in conversation, I usually feel your presence, your being, you know, you're with me and, you know, we're, we're together, you know, I don't feel you're distracted. So obviously you've done a lot of work. Like, can you say a little bit about how the ADD progressed in this context? Yeah. Um, it was a lot of baby steps. Like yeah. it's just from from my experience, like I would have periods, you know, going back to before I did all this where all of a sudden my mind would just go someplace and whatever for like 10, however many seconds it was five or 30 or whatever. I was just gone another direction and I maybe was doing two things at once. So I didn't really fully grasp what, what was going on. And was like, if I was talking yeah. to someone or something, and of course I learned ways to, it was all internal, so yeah, sometimes right. I didn't really notice, and because I, I learned to, to compensate, but I uh, and sometimes I did notice, but because uh, like, uh, but if like if I miss something important, for example, um, but like uh, th- what had happened was, um, yeah, just like slowly, one piece would be I just just that would happen less, so there's that piece, yeah, and then there's the piece of catching it faster, like catching it, and then. Like notice, oh, the metacognition piece. Like, oh, I'm doing that thing where I'm kind of thinking about something else. Stop. And then, like, there's the whole piece of being gently going back, like, and not like bashing yourself. And it's just like, as I said, it's more like a percent. Like, I was, you know, let's say I was like 80 percent present, and then slowly it was like 82, 83, 84, mm, and then like mm. you know, it's not. And then like there are other things that influence us. Like it's not just that, like, again, we talked about in the beginning, like exercise and eating. So if I was eating well and exercising, then that percentage was higher. And if I wasn't doing those things, it was probably, or if I didn't get enough sleep is another core habit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like energy is a big component of ADD along with these other things. So it's it's like, there are like definitely lots of variables, but so it's, uh, that's kind of how it is in real life. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's a slow, shifting to improvements if you yeah. keep these consistent habits going at least yeah. that's what it was for me yeah nice that makes a lot of sense to me so one thing i wanted to mention about um the, the helps with this compassion thing and just in this meditation that i'm Clarissa, i'm doing definitely emphasizes this which is how do you stay in the moment in your relative world but also at the same time hold a bigger perspective and so you're kind of operating in this relative perspective with the, with the bigger one in mind. And one thing that I've always found helpful was like uh, looking at just like the nature of existence. And there are two things about it that I try and hold in equal balance as much as I can. But one is that like every just being alive is a complete gift. Like it's, I don't even, I don't even know how existence is possible. It's probably like the biggest mystery in mankind. Like how does, yeah. how do they, nobody really knows that. So it's like, everything's just a gift. So <laughs> appreciate it. So there's that. And then, 
it's my sense is that I mean things could be as big as eternity or infinity and you know like like big big you know even just thinking about what we know as the quote unquote known history you know it's like we're or the you look at the enormity of the universe so at the same time it's like well we're this speck of dust in this enormity so in on the one hand it's super it's precious because it's like free and amazing and also irrelevant at the same time and the reason why those two and how I hold them to try and maximize my presence. It's like one, you know, I try and be present cause it's like, it's like a, it's, it's a gift. And so I try and like appreciate it and take it seriously. But yeah. the other hand, I'm chill about it because whatever, it's like a speck of dust in the universe. Like whatever. It's like, there's no reason to get freaked out about things in that big perspective. At the same time, it's also precious. So, cause ultimately the, you know what I'm striving. If you had to ask, like, what are some end games? I'm actually striving beyond just, you know, working on ADD. Is like, how can I be completely present and completely relaxed at the same time, mm-hmm. and just be with whatever? Like, if it's the harshest thing, then I want to feel it entirely, and and you know, if it's scary, I want to feel that, and then like that process and allows me to keep staying in whatever is present. It's almost kind of like. This is my own construction, but it's kind of like, it's almost like, I feel like spirit or God or whatever ultimate response so underlies ultimate reality is saying, look, it's all a gift. Just, just check it out. Like you're here to experience it. You're, the, the gift is, the preciousness is just to experience it, experience it all, good or bad, you know, and, and oh, another teacher of mine has this thing. It's like the way, the way it works is that when you feel something completely and you stay with it, eventually that feeling plateaus and then you get wisdom. And so what happens to other people is that they stop the feeling and then they kind of like use their mind like I was doing before to kind of conceptualize like what it's going to be like. And that keeps them stuck and they don't get the wisdom. So those are some bigger constructs that I've kind of helped serve my, my journey and mm-hmm. give a, a more meta perspective. Mm-hmm. That, that's cool. I think one thing I immediately relate to, and I think this partially relates to some of the work we've done with the plant medicine, the entheogens, mm-hmm. is d- just being aware of death and mortality. Mm. And it, it's very similar in a lot of ways. I think embodied in that are some of the principles that you described in terms of both the absolute preciousness and mystery of life, and then also the fact that death comes for each every one of us and we don't know when it you know it's just it could be tomorrow it could be today and you look at people who you know you're living your life and then you you see people someone just falls down i i i remember brad was telling us he Mm -hmm. his buddy just fell helping someone off the bus all right cracked his head and that night he was dead and this was a young you know he wasn't the healthiest guy it sounded like he had some issues but like he wasn't going to die, but he had a brain, he, he just had a bad fall. And then his, he had this brain bleed and died. He, he hemorrhaged. And like, you kind of think like, well, that happens to other people. But the thing is, we are other people. Right. And I, so it always helps. And I think like Stoic philosophy has helped me with this, is to always remember is like, well, today really could be it. You know, today could be my last day. And mortality is real and it's it's the easiest thing is to take it for granted Mm. the hardest thing is just to remember 
oh my God, I'm here right now. It's a complete miracle. Like you were saying in the beginning, yeah. there's something like utterly mysterious and miraculous about you know the fact that we're animated and our consciousness is so complex. And as someone, I can't remember who 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 was talking about this, but it might have been like you or Vedran on on the drive, but how we each have this perfectly customized subjective experience, all of us. Mm-hmm. And there's over you know more than six and a half billion of those perfectly customized subjective experiences of life happening simultaneously, and it and that's just that's amazing. And that, yes. I, so I don't know. I, I that's what when you were kind of in that reverie there about those those two dimensions. That's that's what it brought up for me is like the meditation on mortality. I feel like it's very parallel to that meta context you're talking about. Yeah. No. Uh, well said. Yeah. I think I think it's just an important kind of understanding and. You brought up like again the the entheogens and some of the the plant retreats, and I think that might be a good segue into yeah. talking about that. Plus, how does that how does that directly relate to to consciousness and meditation? Because and shadow, because I think they're all completely linked, including these wisdom things. Because it's again, it's about it's it's at the end game. It's all serving to me this this way of being that's kind of more where, where you're more relaxed and more yeah. present. And actually, hopefully we'll have time to get to, but even like I've actually discovered I'm going through a deeper uh, transformation with my relationship to thinking and feeling, but we'll kind of, hopefully we can weave all those into this. Yeah, for me, uh, I've had several of these experiences and... Maybe just tell people a little bit about what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, good good point. Uh, So, yeah, we would... Worked with a, a a plant with a shaman called uh, ayahuasca, and worked with a a shaman from Colombia who from the country. That this whole family—that's all they do—is this. So it was a very authentic South American custom. I think this plant comes from South America, and this medicine uh, and it is a medicine is it has like two two main components. One I think is locks into this DMT, and the other ones like an MAO inhibitor. I think the MAO inhibitor thing, it somehow unlocks the part of your brain where trauma is stored. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, you drink this medicine in a group and there's a whole ceremony around it and like different traditions have different, you wear, you know, a lot of people wear white or kind of shamanic colors and there's a lot of music plays in a big role in it. But the heart of it is you basically drink the medicine and you sit and you just sit alone, kind of it's done at night and you're up all night. And, you know, how I've been taught is to have an intention going into it, like, like to talk about, like, I want, it's, it's all about healing, you know, it's not yeah. like, how can you get like a million dollars or whatever? It's, it's, it's really, it's, 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 they screen people out. I mean, they, they like, yeah. why are you doing it's this? It's definitely about healing. It's, it's, it's all about healing. That's Growth really, and healing growth and healing exactly and so so yeah so i mean i knew i was going into these things working on the problems that i struggle with like my whole life and i was like it's, it's really these shadow things it's, i was really as we were talking about earlier it's these subtle level thoughts it's like how do i you know how do, how do i change that that karma that dynamic for me specifically uh i was trying to reintegrate my feelings in a healthier way instead of like 
converting them all into thought. I really wanted to just feel them directly like I yeah. did when I was a little kid and have that kind of pure experience. And I was so stuck around that. Like I just didn't know how to get that done. And the, through a series of experiences, this medicine kind of showed me kind of how to do that. And it basically, it's a combination of like insights and setting up scenarios of which you go through. I guess maybe it's most helpful to kind of give like a couple specifics. Yeah. Like when I first, my first ask was just like, you know, help me feel like basically very basic. Yeah. Uh, and I later I learned honestly, like the more you can kind of surrender to the medicine, just be like, listen, I've been struggling with this for so long. Please help me like literally show like genuine concern. Um, but basically the medicine can upset your stomach. And so the first time I was, causing a lot of pain in my stomach area and I was trying hard just to stay with it and stay up and um, there was a moment uh, and this happened pretty quickly like it's you know I mean it took like 45 minutes for the medicine to kick in I was staying with it for like 45 minutes and hours but then I had a moment where I saw in my mind say look this pain is so intense I don't want to be here at all I want to go to my mind. Like it was almost those exact words. Yeah. I'd never seen my, that sequence happen. Mm. And that moment changed my life right there. I was just like, wow, I've only been doing this for like an hour and I've already had like a life changing incident. Because the reason why that was so important was it gave me empathy. I was like, wow, if I'm like in my mid forties here and I can't handle this pain, how could a little kid deal with this kind of intensity? And I started to have this huge empathy for my younger self and why these patterns developed. So instead of like hating on the part that was giving my the most trouble and self-loathing and self-critical, it was a complete shift in relationship. It was like, oh, I get it. I see why my younger self made this decision. And yeah. I decided I kind of like you know, I kind of like said like, there's like my higher self. And then there's was like this feeling body. And I was like, had this huge inner dialogue around, listen, I see why we made these decisions and listen, I want to do it differently in the future. And I'm really sorry about that. And I know we've been doing this pattern for 40 years and you have no reason to believe me, but believe me, I'm deadly serious. Like it, I'm doing it in a very mild voice. But when I was there, it was like the intensity was ramped up to 10. And I was saying these things like over and over again. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was like, so, I want so, things different. Yeah, and you're, you're in a certain way, you're in this dialogue with your own inner yes. self as it, at the part of your psychology connected with your, your childhood. Yeah, exactly. With that kind of pattern. It's kind of, it's kind of like, um, yeah, I've learned that, that there's this psychology system called like in, inner family systems where they kind of break, you know, each kind of like desire or aspect of our thing has like a voice and it's almost like you give it like a, a persona mm -hmm. and then you're kind of like, they kind of like go about their own business until they come in conflict. And that's kind of like when, when it comes conscious to us. Yeah. Like, uh, and so this is a moment where I was like, you know, I want to do a shift. Yeah. And so like, it just, it's, I don't, again, you know, it's like how life is a miracle. I don't even get how this plan exactly somehow customizes, gives people what they need, but yeah. it's just, it's been a brush of fresh air. And I feel like, you know, it's been a game changer for me. That, okay. So there's a couple of things like the, the, the main thing. So I wanted to share a little bit of my own experience to kind of uh, sure. sort of support some of what you're saying, but also I think, 
for for me, what comes through overwhelmingly when you speak about this, and it's something that I appreciate about you in general and the work that you've been doing diligently in terms of your own growth is is related to like this sort of cultivating this deep capacity for self-acceptance and this deep practice of it's you know it's all fine it's all okay you know i'm not going to beat myself up about this i forgive you right now <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. no gap and that's just it seems to me as long as like it, certainly as long as you and i have been doing the medicine work together which has only been like a year but at least for me but then also before that you know you you've had this focus on self-compassion that hearing you talk about the medicine it helps me appreciate that the medicine has deeply enhanced this for you this capacity of not not judging yourself yes in fact on another night i did it it was completely the theme of the night like i basically I don't remember. I think I was asking about some sort of self-criticism, actually. And uh, the medicine came, whatever, came back with each person can only handle the exact level of truth that they can handle in any given moment. And what what I immediately realized was um, that the truth of that is that, like, we're all, you know, at a certain development, a certain level of development at a time, and based on our past uh, I think the Buddhist cause like dependent origination, dependent origination, everything's like, you know, kind of evolved in a certain way. And so why the question was like, what, I had to pose myself was why am I beating myself up over something that just was like an organic development? And I started to see it from instead of me not being this idealized, perfect version of myself. I just accepted that that was like the path <laughs> that happened. And I like, spent like the whole night like first like looking at every little piece of my life that I had any kind of self-criticism or self-loathing and just like look at it from this new understanding and it was like a really emotional experience like mm. I literally like would like recreate it in my mind mm. and then I would just look at this criticism perspective and then I'd look at the like this perspective of how it actually came about and then I would just be like you know I forgive you yeah and like it can't be an intellectualized it's got to be an emotional experience yeah like, uh, and then do the same thing with people who had wronged you and like this is you know and this is this is the because these are the things that are coming up in my mind we talked about these thoughts that are causing me to be distracted it's like these is part of the origin of it. it's right here it's like right. it's all this stuff that right like, you, you, i didn't fully experience because i you know was being critical and i kind of suppressed it and, and it keeps coming back up in some form and like you got to do this deep deep work uh and forgiveness and self-acceptance and you know this 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 love is like is definitely one of the core cores and so it's actually like uh it's a combination of wisdom and heart, like uh, because like the heart and compassion is coming from this wisdom that you know where where there's these you know where these human beings and you know we have limits and we're only at so different where you know we don't start off as like God with the most perfect thing where these start with you know and we just slowly develop and you know each what I realized was each moment I was literally perfect relevant 
relevant to my level of development and it can't be any other way and the same thing is true for everyone else mm-hmm. and like that was like wow <laughs> yeah so like that just opened the gates of compassion at a deeper level and you know both so uh it was a big deal yeah definitely and and i just want to underscore i mean i think just very briefly for me the medicine from a much different angle for me it's been a lot about ultimately self-acceptance self-integration self for i i hesitate to use the word but i think it's it actually applies some kind of like self-forgiveness but uh just coming to terms with choices i've made in my life and instead of seeing them as giant mistakes you know really starting to integrate them and seeing the positive side of them which for a while i was just seeing the negative and you know it took i think a couple of ceremonies to get there but man that you know and those were those were the clear intentions i was coming in with was really to kind of heal and and accept the choices that i had made and then once i did that it it really it it changed into okay you've accepted it but now what about really embracing it you know and what about right. integrating it deeply and seeing seeing the 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 part of you that was strong in making those choices and decisive and the agency and the autonomy and cuz you know it really in a lot of ways had to do with healing some fractured parts of my own psyche and my own being and my own heart and all all of those things you know a, a real yeah there was a dis a kind of disintegration in a in a fractured quality and relationship to these experiences and the, and the medicine i think in the, in the in a in a very gentle beautiful way just <laughs> has helped me kind of integrate and accept appreciate and then honor and ultimately supplicate i would say and and bow down in front of the i don't know if it's the process or the kind of self with a capital s but the but just the whole kind of experience the whole amazing nature of life and you know life as both as something that i am not in any way apart from life as me without that being a kind of selfish thing but just that we you know we are we are just part of this whole sacred unfolding we're right in the middle of it and, yeah uh, i was yeah. that's really beautifully said um thanks i think the word you used several times i want to expand upon was i think it's like the word whole yeah um yeah <laughs> That is a big, in this meditation thing, that's like, the idea is like to, to as you were saying, these fracture pieces to heal them so yes. we can be whole with this moment. Yeah. And I kind of, it's kind of like this meditation has, so the meditation has another component we haven't gone into yet, which is a metaphysical element, which asks, this is kind of like, a little, we talked a little bit about what is like met- a bigger... Can you just, can you define that? Sure, the, sure. Everyone? Metaphysical means, so meta just means like going above, like like hovering above and like mm-hmm. reflecting and taking like a higher view, right? Yeah. 
so metaphysical is like taking like a bigger view on on just like life and reality and the nature of existence and and taking like a higher perspective yeah uh, so for example like I mentioned a couple of times Ken Wilber in integral theory is is considered a metaphysic a metaphysician, Got and it. he's looked at all these different things and come up with a model. So the the, the meditation has changed like my identity, uh, and so basically I think what, what's the most common thing for identity is we look at some select um, feedback we've gotten, whether it could from our childhood, our present, our career, or like our family, and we think this is who we are. And what I've been going through is a process of relearning that, that, that really I am nothing more than, and, and that, that kind of, con, we usually call it like a self-construction or a self-identity. And it's very useful, obviously, socially when someone's asking about you. But it can, um, what happens is that people tend to make it very solid. What they call in Buddhism is to like, to reify it, to like make yeah. it like that's all, all there is. And the truth is, is, there's really just there's like what is there and then there's like unlimited ways to look at anything pretty much and so we tend to like hyper focus on one instead of being open to everything so what this has kind of taught me is trying and this is not again a long process to really fully completely do it but is to like and this is again about being whole is like who am i really well i'm this this moment and this when i shift that like there's no guard there's no self-defense i'm literally can just it helps with this idea of presence that we keep coming back to and just being as you were saying it helps me be whole here right now and if there's like you know if everything's just the same you know if everyone's just actually doing the best they can you know including myself i'm not beating myself up i'm just here i'm chill about something because like you know, it's going to go on forever. And it's, you know, it's like, it's not important, but it's also precious. It's like you hold these different things and you can just, the result is this deep presence and deep relaxation. Uh, and yeah, and it's, uh, it's powerful. It makes a huge difference. And like, oh, I mean, all of you, if you want to be your higher self and you want to like maximize kind of like each and every moment, and this gives you the tool set to kind of, to kind of do that. These insight meditations do a lot of, like asking like you know who are we again let's like who are we really like what is this consciousness and you do a lot of these like investigations what they would call them where you're kind of like we talked we did an investigation earlier we talked about like like thought like what is a thought where does it come from where does it go or like with emotions you know it's like a you know i basically because i was like afraid of emotions you know i'd suppress them but i actually like had to go into it and be like what is this emotion thing and then when i stayed with it you know, it's just like a feeling, you know, it's different. And so it's like, because it's different, you feel like a lot of us, you know, fear change. We just like, what is this? You know, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, if you literally get past that and you're just like, and you stay with it, you're like, oh, this is just like a sensation and whatever. You know, it's like, it's just, it comes, it goes. And, and when I like stayed calm about it, it would take like a natural path and I could just like be with it. And again, I'm making it sound easy. Uh, it, this is a process that you know I'm probably still going through at some point at different levels because it's just you have to get used to different emotions and different feelings and how can you do it you know at different at different contexts. But uh, it's really this 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 inquiry and you know and I kind of like if I feel like I guess in Ma Mudra and Zogchen and this Vajrayana path they would say your essence nature 
this uh this is a bit abstract but uh i'll i'll, I'll go there it's like um I think it's called like a formless practice where what i mean by that is like let's say you're like anyone who's listening to this can just kind of like look out you know and they can see all the stuff in their context and they can like see their thoughts like coming up and emotions and basically what it helped me force to realize is that what it's saying is that all that you can take in anything you can experience is happening on what's it happening on right and so it's like some people will call it consciousness in our school we just call it like awareness the things you're aware of and you imagine like like the thing is on is almost like empty and no matter where you go you're always it's just the content of that that kind of awareness changes yeah and literally i am you know you are that kind of awareness and so like when people talk about like uh you know in this school of thought you know it's like you don't they don't believe you necessarily die and like you know people for stories probably like going like through tunnels or lights and so they're saying like your form body might die like your physical body but that essence nature this awareness you know goes on um yeah so it's, it's an interesting way of looking at things and uh you know it's definitely definitely changes things in terms of like again holding this bigger picture yeah As you, you mentioned earlier about dealing with death that all has to do with like fear if you kind of hold a bigger picture that you are this like field of awareness that's impermanent <laughs> you know it's and you're just here having experience learning some stuff you know having some good times and then we're off to somewhere else it changes things it helps you relax and be more present because you're not as fearful totally uh, and my former teacher the way he would sometimes describe you know he had us practice a free awareness practice where you know one often he would describe it as focusing not on the contents of consciousness but on the context the right. you know what what is what is all that arising in or through and when you talk about you know so you're you're ultimately you're focusing on nothing quote unquote solid so no feelings no thoughts whatever you're focused on the thing the context in which all that is arising and that you know and as you were talking about it you know it took me right there again you know right. and and it's the field of awareness itself and that you know it just takes time and practice to learn how to become more and don't mistake me i'm certainly not fundamentally grounded there myself but it takes it takes time and practice one to be even become aware of that much less fundamentally stationed there as you know this is this is my prime you know identified with that as your primary self and obviously that that is very much the goal of a lot of these practices but that that's a lifelong practice to become identified with with that field you could you know and obviously meditation yes. yeah meditation is such a a marvelous and sort of miraculous pathway to you know you the beauty of it is you don't have to be fundamentally grounded there to to actually practice it and to experience it and to to be just to be to practice being that exactly yeah it's um 
as you said, it's like a slow is another thing that's like a slow on growth. And the more you deal with these shadow elements that the more it enables you to do that because you're those yeah. are the things that are distracting you they're yeah. you know it's the, the they cause reactivity yeah uh, they're just like habits deep deep habits you're trying to yeah trying to get removed and so another thing that i've been learning is the more you remove these kind of clouds you know like i guess we were talked about earlier about like this witness self or your deeper self and I feel like that what what that allows is that to fill up more of your being. Like the, mm. you know, some people will call yeah. it soul or and then you're in this process of soul inflow so you can be more your true deeper self. And this is what this what uh, you know, some of this, the esoteric spiritual traditions called alchemy, you know, this this, this right. transmutation or change from your kind of more you know, regular kind of uh, human thing to this more, but you're just slow, like moving into your higher self. So your higher self becomes more and more of who you are in every mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's a journey. It's, it's, and there's some, you know, things that are similar, but the specifics are always going to be unique to each person. Yeah. Um, uh, what I've noticed is that there's also this, this huge journey of, really looking at like thinking and feeling and and different sensations in my like my relationship I notice kind of like changes over time because like for example like I've noticed with feeling there's just so many different kinds of feelings like like one big major one would be like is this a feeling like out of habit or out of the past, you know, of karma, or is this like my deeper soul, like trying to tell me something? Yeah. Like that's a big one. And like, it's, that's not easy to discern until you, like, that's a practice, like to actually like pay attention to that and be like using your, your thinking to discern that. So I used to go about more going around using my analytical mind to like deconstruct things and logic things and what are the pros and cons and then make a decision and I find myself now, it's like, okay, what does my deeper self want to mm. do? What, how mm-hmm. do I really feel about this? Like inside, yeah. like I've grown to totally go from this place where I don't trust my feelings to like, oh no, this is my biggest ally. There's something metaphysical here that, uh, you know, there's like a, when I'm operating from this bigger field, like we both talked about like this kind of formless awareness, but like, I guess in the Buddhist schools, it says that like, you know, all these formless awareness are like, everything's connected all these different perspectives are connected and feelings are the most like dense and powerful thing and so like i think if you're operating from this formless thing you can and just you know you're operating from this deeper place where you're not in the shadow you can kind of you know you you got a more reliable trustworthy feeling and i've actually tested that over time and i'm like i'm learning to trust it as a new way of being as opposed to this other way of being where where and so i feel like this also this path is like trust is like a huge thing. Um, yeah. D- Dan emphasized it a lot. It's like, instead of like being worried or doubtful about things, it's more like, no, I trust that I'm having the exact experiences I need to have here. And that this field of awareness is going to give me, you know, what I need instead of, it's like a totally different uh, relationship. Everything's about yeah. like changing your relationship to your experience. So I feel yes. like at this higher level, you're just kind of like, you know, you're again, it helps me be present. It helps me be relaxed. And, uh, you know, instead of like worrying about negative things happening, quote unquote, negative things, it's more like, oh, well, that experience that I could have perceived as negative is probably going to teach me something cool. So if I'm just chill about it and stay with it, 
you know, I get that as we we're talking about earlier, if I feel it entirely and go through that experience, there's going to be some wisdom there. So before I may have been like, Oh, and now I's like, okay, whatever, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Something's good's going to come. Just trust, yeah. just patience, patience, you know? Uh, and so that's good. I, I think that's a good, that's a good kind of place for us to wrap up. I feel like we, perfect. we started narrow and we opened up into the ultimate field and now kind of rounding it out with trust is a, is a nice place to leave everybody. I, I concur. Cool. And so Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you or if they want to follow up and learn more about what you're up to or, or whatever, how should people track you down or be in touch with you? Um, yeah, you can contact me via email, uh, which is just Jonathan Mozenter at Gmail. J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-M-O-Z-E-N-T-E-R at Gmail, I guess, turn email. And uh, I don't really have a, a website just yet, but I'm, I probably will in the coming years. Uh, but if you wanted to like follow me on Facebook, uh, you could go, I think I'm just uh, Facebook and then slash Mozenter, my last name is my page. And you could hit like the following button or add me as a friend or... And uh, those are those are probably be the best ways to keep in touch with me. Nice. And uh, yeah, I imagine, you know, maybe we'll do this again. Maybe what we can do at some point is is get more than just you and me. Maybe we can get a couple guys on the line and talk about the medicine more. That that might be an interesting show. And yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm in for that. That sounds fantastic. Nice. Great. And And Jonathan... Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your journey with all of us, your wisdom and your heart. I really appreciate it. And I, I think people are going to get a lot out of just hearing about your experience. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on the show. And thanks for being a great active listener and drawing me out and asking great questions and holding space. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story. And I hope... Uh, you know, people gain some wisdom and insights out of it and feel free to be in touch. Awesome. All right. Okay, everyone. Until next time. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed my interview with Jonathan. I had a great time doing that interview. It was really beautiful. So if you enjoyed the show, if you want to support the One Mind Meditation Podcast, I encourage you to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. That is the best way to help us get our show in front of more meditators. So you can do that. You can leave us a rating and a review over on iTunes. And did you know that we offer meditation courses for new and intermediate meditators? If you're looking for a meditation course, if you struggle to create a daily habit out of meditation, then this is the course for you. Actually, these are the courses for you. We've got multiple courses. Check them out over at aboutmeditation.com. And finally, let's end with a quote. And this quote is perfectly tailored to today's interview. It's from the Rigpa Glimpse of the Day, and it goes like this. The times when you are suffering can be those when you are open. And where you are extremely vulnerable can be where your greatest strength really lies. Say to yourself, 
I am not going to run away from this suffering. I want to use it in the best and richest way I can so that I can become more compassionate and more helpful to others. Suffering, after all, can teach us about compassion. If you suffer, you will know how it is when others suffer. And if you're in a position to help others, it is through your suffering that you will find the understanding and compassion to do so.